Welcome to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBA. Over the next hour, you'll be introduced to business and local leaders impacting our community. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. Now, the host of Town Talk, Ted Schubel. The uh, Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park in this morning. The uh, Battle of Fredericksburg, the anniversary, is coming up. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch of other things that are uh, uh, going on around the region with uh, the uh, the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Beth Parnitza is back. Beth, I haven't seen you in ages. What has happened? We needed. <laughs> we were going to do all of these programs this year. We were. Time slipped away, you it know. It did slip away. That's what happens when you're busy having fun. Right? I can't believe that we're coming up on a, I mean, a year ago at this time. You were you had programs and you had a weekend full of stuff for the 160th for the Battle of Fredericksburg. It's the 161 all of a sudden. It sure is. And here we are. You know, we've already gone through the 160th of Chancellorsville and we're planning ahead for the Overland Campaign 160th. And, you know, time, yeah. Time just flies. Time moves. So, yeah. Time moves on. Maddie Hollis is here with the the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Maddie, it's great. It's great to have you here. This is your first time, so good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. This is great to have you here. Talk a little bit about your kind of your journey through through the the park service. How how'd you get involved? Yeah, so I actually started with this park as a volunteer back in 2018 while I was a freshman at Mary Washington, and then from there just never left. I did an internship summer internship and then I've done a couple seasons with the park and I'm now in a term position with the park so they just can't get rid of me you're here <laughs> I have adopted Fredericksburg as my second home so in, within the the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park is there a, is there a certain area or certain things that, 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 that kind of favorites for you yeah I, mean, I definitely have like sites in the park that I like best. I love Chatham. I love that Chatham covers such a broad range of history, so you could really talk about anything there. Yeah. Um, definitely certain interests within military history. I really like medical history, some of the nurses and doctors that would have been on our battlefield. So yeah, definitely have my favorites here and there. I've never asked you that, Beth. Is there, is yeah. there, are there parts of the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park that you kind of gravitate to? Oh, yeah. No, um, I mean, I love the whole park. I've obviously been... Fredericksburg has also stuck with me yeah. uh, for a long time. And we're glad um, about that. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, for me, really, uh, probably the, the most powerful spot for me is is at the Bloody Angle at Spotsylvania Courthouse. Just, you know, spending time thinking about everything that had led to that point in the war and then just how brutal the fighting is and how reflective that is of the depth of the conflict and you know you sort of see the the juxtaposition of of what we think of as humanity and inhumanity all kind of mixed into one space um and so yeah that's probably the most powerful spot for me especially when i'm alone but honestly you know i there are so many different spots that i love there are being around with visitors especially because there's almost like any corner of the park that you get to there's going to be something that speaks to somebody in a unique way and and illuminate some bigger theme of something that we're talking about or some piece of of you know relevance to today's world that um, that people can learn and grow from so part of what i love about the park is we have so many stories and so many sites that are all different there there are and like you like you said because I, I think too the the, the bloody angles just is is so powerful and when when you read about it and you read about the the, the individual stories of just the 
just the, the massiveness of the, the fighting and it was a rainy day and it was just just everything together gets you but that like you said you can drive around the 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 various spots and find i'm always finding a new a new spot i go down lee drive and I, you discover things and you just i didn't know this was here or, yeah you know, you've th- driven it a million times and then all yeah. of a sudden you're like oh, i didn't notice that sign let me pull over and see what that is yeah i mean and that's i think that's also one of the the beautiful things about our park is that you know if you're a historian i always say you know you've got multiple lifetimes worth of research that oh, you can do yeah. here but even if you're not a historian you know there's places that you can revisit and find new stories or new pieces of things that that will speak to you differently you know and as as our times change i think the battlefields are a place where you can find different connections at different times they'll sort of grow with you which is pretty neat well and you look at it in so many spots that have been have that uh, with with development encroaching and, and just a lot of uh, different – you think of the Central Virginia Battlefields Trust that has been able to, to save some slivers of land or, or around that, that really continue to help tell the story. And uh, we, are real, we were, are really fortunate in this, the, this area. We are, yeah. I think, you know, as certainly as the area is growing and developing, we see a lot more pressure on our park lands, uh, whether that be, you know, visitors taking the driving tour and struggling or, yeah, just preserving some of these lands that – that previous generations had assumed would be rural or would not be threatened. And and yet having partner groups like American Battlefield Trust and Central Virginia Battlefields Trust who are identifying key places. Yeah. You know, we know we don't we don't want to stop development. We don't want to stand in the way of progress. Um, but we do also want to say, hey, some of these places are nationally significant and maybe not all preserved um, in that sort of initial sweep or even in subsequent sweeps of land. So yeah, we're very lucky to be able to still be preserving these these green spaces that are so historic and so meaningful to people and things that we can, can learn lessons from and to have folks helping us do that. You have a number of programs next weekend that we're going to talk about this morning for the 161st anniversary. But, Matt, you're involved in a, in a program tonight at the Central Rappahannock Regional Library. Yes. Yeah, we're going to be doing a program for the 160th anniversary of Mine Run, the Mine Run campaign. Um, that will take place tonight at the library at 6.30. It's a free event. Uh, it will last until around 8 o'clock, but we have a couple different elements to the program. There's going to be the kind of lecture, so to speak, you know, the talk with the rangers where we're going to share the story of Mine Run, connect it to other events. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to have some what we call pop-up interpretive exhibits on display in the room so that people can interact with them, learn about some of the people behind the battle, some individual soldiers and how they were impacted there, and some activities for them to do. Um, And we really like to do that type of experience, not just talk to people and and provide information, but also hear from people, hear their opinions, hear their experiences as it connects to the battle. And to be able to do it at the library tonight, I mean, if if this were like a if this were like in June, you'd probably go out there and have a program. But weather wise, you can't do that. Sure, yeah, and it's a it's a great venue to catch people where they are because even if the weather doesn't permit or the uh, darkness past five o'clock does not permit us to kind of go out on the landscape, we can catch people in town that are just passing by the library. Um, we do a lot of partnerships with the local library, so we have kind of combined audiences in that way, and they do a fantastic job supporting our programs. 
So when did mine run? This is 160th anniversary. When did that? When did that? The battle that you're going to talk about take place? Sure. Yeah. So late November into early December, okay. 1863. And so one of the things we're going to be talking about with this is connecting the dots from Gettysburg, the battle that so many people recognize and know, and then bring it up to the Overland Campaign. What happens in between there that gets the armies uh, to the wilderness region again for the Overland Campaign? And Mine Run is kind of that last step um, before the overland campaign so we're hoping to connect it with pieces that people already recognize and then fill in that space that a lot of people don't often hear about with mine run so it's uh, 6 30 tonight at the central Rappahannock regional library downtown talking about that yes yep and we so, expect a, a great program yeah no i i I've already decided that's what that's what I'll be doing tonight. So I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad you're here to talk about it. Maddie Hollis and Beth Parnitza with uh, Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park here. More coming up on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Welcome back to Town Talk on News Talk 1230. You can weigh in about today's topic on Facebook at WFVA 1230 and by text at 540-371-5756. Here's your host, Ted Schubel. Beth Parnitza and uh, Maddie Hollis here this morning from the uh, Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. The 161st anniversary of the Battle of Fredericksburg will be uh, observed next weekend with a number of programs on, uh, on on Saturday. So I'll just throw this out to you, Beth, and you can you can jump in, Maddie, and we can we can talk about 161 years ago. Right now, what was the, the things were things were starting to happen? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Union Army arrives mid-November. Um, in in Stafford County and is sort of staring down this small contingent of Confederate soldiers in the town of Fredericksburg itself. But uh, famously at Fredericksburg, of course, the Union Army is hampered by a lack of pontoon bridges to get across the Rappahannock River, as they had already ordered and kind of got stuck between bureaucracy and mud um, <laughs> on their way yeah, here. Yeah. Right. So then the Union Army faces this decision of how can we get across the river? Can we get across the river? And meanwhile, you know, Confederate forces are looking, okay, how can we respond? Can we respond to Fredericksburg? Do we have time? Do we need to defend elsewhere? And in the middle of all this, you know, you have not only Stafford County, but you also have Fredericksburg City itself. You have all of these citizens who are trying to decide what to do. And so especially, you know, mid to late November, you have refugees just flooding the streets outside of Fredericksburg, people packing up their belongings and trying to get out of town because, because yeah, who wants to stay right in between right. Union and Confederate forces? These folks, you know, we're far enough into the war that these folks know what's going to happen. Fredericksburg has been occupied before. And so, yeah, right now we'd be looking at refugees across the countryside. You'd see Ambrose Burn well, you wouldn't see, but Ambrose Burnside trying to figure out what his next steps are. Um, Confederate forces moving into the area and and looking to defend the space. And, you know, almost worse, you have these refugees who left town towards the middle to end of November who are now sort of saying, okay, well, the battle never happened. Yeah, do we go do back? Do we come back? What do we do? Do we stay at these sort of relatives or, or huddled in a church or, you know, wherever it is that we've been able to find shelter? And so you have some citizens who are coming back to town. Um, it's, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's a complete mess, but it's, you know, it's a mess. And for us, yeah. you know, we spend a lot of time, so, which is part of what I, you know, I have increasingly been looking to emphasize is thinking about 
if you're a refugee in the middle of this war, you know, you have a stake in it. You might have family members or loved ones who are in the army. You might have voted for secession, or you might be an active unionist in town. And now here's the war right on your doorstep. And and what do you do, right? While we're thinking a lot about, or traditionally thinking a lot about, well, what is Ambrose Burnside? And what's Robert E. Lee going to do? You've got all these other people who are also saying, oh, gosh, what are they going to do? And how is that going to directly impact my life? Yeah, no, you think about that. And you think about in, in, in our case, because I guess in, in a lot of cases, people, live, if, you, if you lived in Fredericksburg, you would look to go to, you know, towards Spotsylvania or Caroline or Orange or just, yeah. you know, get away. West and south, you know, anywhere, because the Union Army is to the north, so you're probably not anxious to move in that direction. Yeah. Again, unless you are perhaps an enslaved person who didn't leave during the 18th, the earlier 1862 occupation. But if you're a white resident of this area, yeah, you're probably looking, moving west, moving south, moving somewhere out of this vicinity. And, you know, where do you have relatives you can stay with? Are there strangers who will take you in? Can you just camp out along the road? And how long can you make that happen? make that last for, especially because it's December. This is not a great time to be no without shelter. Well, and, and Maddie, you talked about Chatham and, and, and how much you like Chatham. That's one of the great things. I mean, you can re, you can you can stand at Chatham and look over into the city and, and see pretty much what what they were looking at 161 years ago. Oh yeah, for sure, with the skyline there, and just think about all the different people who, as Beth said, were presented with this choice on that exact viewshed there, looking over the town, over the Rappahannock River. Um, it becomes a Union headquarters during the battle. It becomes a hospital during the battle. Uh, Union soldiers are asked to lay pontoon bridges and cross the river there right below Chatham. So it becomes this kind of key point in the battle for so many people um, trying to figure out how to best navigate that situation, how to go into battle, but then also how to deal with the aftermath of the battle. And Chatham remains in use as a hospital um, until around Christmas time. So hmm. even when the armies um, kind of stop fighting and, and back away, you still have civilians and aides and, and patients basically uh, being treated there at Chatham. So the story continues past the battle there. Well, and it's so, um, there, 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 are, there, are, there are so many parts to this and so many things like you, you can stand at Chatham, you can, you, go, you can go over on Sophia Street and see where, walk right down there and see where the, where the pontoons were built. And just imagine just the, the, the topography and the thought of having for the, the Union soldiers to cross over. What a terrifying situation that was. And then the street fighting. And there really are a, a, a lot of different things that, they do, that we can today walk around and, and really be able to imagine it. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the great... One of the great things about Fredericksburg is that it's very walkable, right, as a town and as a city. And, you know, so, yeah, if you want to follow all the way from, you know, looking over at Chatham from Sophia Street, you can see the pontoon crossing, um, whether it's the upper pontoon crossing or go down to city docks, mm -hmm. see the middle crossing, you know. And then, yeah, you can walk in the footsteps of, of soldiers involved in street fighting, going street by street. Um, I... I am a particular fan of researching the Union Army's looting of the town of Fredericksburg. Yeah. And so you can you can see, you know, you can read those accounts and see different sections of town where they did different things. Um, you know, having just crossed and gained the town and saying, okay, gosh, you're sitting on the edge of a battle and, and what do you do next? Um, you know, the night beforehand and seeing then, you know, you can follow the assaults from the edge of town all the way up to, to Marie's Heights. You know, we, we don't have as much walkable space down at Prospect Hill on kind of the other half of the battlefield. But certainly in Fredericksburg, you can see 
not just the battle itself, but also kind of all of these other components. You know, like Maddie says, this is a much broader thing than just, you know, we oftentimes think of the Battle of Fredericksburg, right? It's December 13th. It's these mm -hmm. major assaults on Maurice Heights and Prospect Hill, but there are so many other steps to it. And I think if we broaden uh, the lens to look at kind of the social and political and even the military as it's developing, right? We're seeing all these different components to the battle that make it so much more complex. It's, it is the story of refugees. It's the story of medical care and hospitals. It's the story of, you know, being on the, on the edge of the Emancipation Proclamation. And yeah. it is, uh, you know, armies that are improvising, whether it's the Union Army trying to figure out what to do without its pontoon bridges or, um, you know, fighting in the streets, looting the town, making, you know, asking questions like, do we protect civilian property? Do we not protect like, civilian property? Do we actively destroy civilian property? Yeah. You know, what do we what do we do? Where is the state of the war at this point in time? And Fredericksburg is a great glimpse of that. Well, and you all have have, uh, have educated me because for um, for many years, if you were to ask me the Battle of Fredericksburg, to me it was well, it's what happened at Maurice Heights, and, and definitely that's that was a, that was a huge part. And there there are all kinds of stories and pictures that are that that, that are riveting. But just like you said, there are so many other parts of this of where different parts of the battlefield or you go out to, to slaughter pen farm or you look at various things and, and you've all done just some some terrific programs which again when when you see that the national park service is doing programs you ought to go to them it's not <laughs> it's not like history like if you, and, and i hear this so often of people saying i never liked history in school this isn't like history in school like you said that you you draw in so many different sources and it's not just it's 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 it, for for years now you you haven't just focused on the the battle battlefield movements it's about the people oh yeah you know and one of our one of our explicitly stated goals is to not be boring so we do yeah. you know we do our very best <laughs> yeah. to, to tell full stories and to do them in a very um i think i think interesting fascinating way yeah. you know right we are engaging with you know who are the people involved here why are they making the decisions that they do whoever they are how does that and how does that translate to being important to us today is such a huge piece of what we do so yeah whether we're talking about a soldier moving through the field at Slaughter Pen Farm with, you know, that special shout out to the American Battlefield Trust for preserving that property as well. Or we're talking about, yeah, a citizen in town, an enslaved person facing the impossible decision of do I do I go to the Union Army to freedom and leave everything I've known with no resources? You know, what you know, if I'm if I'm Dr. Mary Walker, like, do I do I do I wear my pants and, and treat uh, wounded soldiers? Yeah. You know, like how do if I'm a if I'm a volunteer, like one of some of Maddie's favorite people, like do I do I go volunteer and help in the field? You know, there are so many different pieces of the story that I'm confident we can find something for for everybody based on their interest in in history or or perceived non-interest in history. Uh, it can be a lot cooler than a lot of people think. Yeah, one of the elements that's really interesting, too, is even if you aren't a history buff, so to speak, um, and maybe you don't really connect with some of the timeline of the Civil War kind of things, you can see yourself in these events. And that's always really cool when you can present someone with an individual story that they can find something that is similar to their life. You might not have ever joined an army and, and been a soldier, but you've been mm -hmm. 20 years old. You've had something disrupt your life in some way. Um, a lot of the people who do the 
river crossing below Chatham, um, who are basically volunteered to go forward, um, are college students or professors, uh, you know, just average Americans who are asked to do something pretty extraordinary, and they do it. And so even if you can't connect with um, history at large, if it's not your thing, um, you can still connect to these individuals and find something about their life that prompts you to think what you would do in that situation. And that is where it can be very meaningful. I think when you, when you tell those stories, I think to go to, to Chancellorsville and that room you have with the pictures of all the, the soldiers of, of so many different ages, it's really yeah. a powerful, it's a really a powerful place. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love about that room is that you know, even though they're, you know, they're 19th century people, some of them have very large beards, some of them, sure. you know, look, yeah. al- look almost funny to our modern, mm-hmm. you know, sensibilities, you're almost inevitably going to find somebody who looks like someone you know, at the same time, you know, and I think we've all actually picked out people who are like, oh, this yeah. looks like so-and-so employee, you know, but it, but then you also will find somebody who's like, this looks like someone that I could know, you know, yeah. they're very recognizable, the, the 19th century can feel far away, but it's really not, you know, we're only a couple of generations removed. And these are people who have experienced life in a very similar way, you know, whether it's, oh gosh, we are in a divided country. Um, we have a lot of, of challenging choices to make. We're facing crises, you know, they're recognizable to us and yeah. their challenges are also recognizable to us. Beth Parnitz and uh, Maddie Hollis here this morning from the uh, Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. There are, uh, there are programs next Saturday to, our, to our remember the 161st anniversary of the Battle of Fredericksburg. We'll talk about that when we come back on News Talk 1230 WFPA. It is now 8.30. From the Fredericksburg.today online news studios, this is News Talk 1230 WFBA Fredericksburg, a centennial broadcasting station focused on Fredericksburg. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBA. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Maddie Hollis and uh, Beth Parnitza here this morning from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. The uh, 161st anniversary of the, uh, the uh, Battle of Fredericksburg will be observed next weekend. And you've got a number of programs uh, going on that... Uh, that uh, Either you can you can go to a site or you can uh, go to Chatham, or I'll let, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you talk about it because next Saturday is a busy day. It is, yeah. So we have, um, you know, we it's the 161st, so we're trying to have you know some solid offerings for folks without overwhelming anybody. But uh, yeah, at, uh, on Saturday we've got from nine to five. You can drop by Chatham or the Fredericksburg Battlefield Visitor Center for some conversations with our staff. You know. If, if our program times don't work out for your schedule, but then we have uh, from 10 to 11, we have a program uh, down at Prospect Hill, um, you know, where about half the fighting takes place during the battle on December 13th. Um, then we have at 11.30, we have a conversation about the pontoon crossing at Chatham. Um, from 2 to 3 p.m., uh, we have a program about um, the fighting at Marie's Heights. So meet at Fredericksburg Battlefield Visitor Center for uh, another program about kind of the other half of the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will also go into the National Cemetery, so kind of talking about the repercussions and the aftermath of battle. And then another program back at Chatham um, about the field hospital uh, from 3.30 to 3.45. So we've got a full day of programs, you know, and I think 
just a, a good reminder, like we do have those two longer programs, but especially the Chatham programs, we'll have staff there uh, that is very well versed in these subjects. So if you come at a, at a time that is not the standard program time because you needed to go eat lunch or something, uh, just, you know, talk to our staff. They'd be more yeah. than happy to talk to you about these kind of programs for um, or these subjects, you know, for any length of time. Well, we, we for the Battle of Fredericksburg, obviously, I mean, Marie's Heights is really where, I mean, there was just ferocious fighting and in, 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 in a huge Confederate victory. And then the, the uh, as, as the Union tried to go, go up the hill, and that you can, you can, at all of these sites, it's, it's, you can go and really experience what the, uh, what, what, what soldiers went through. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think in Fredericksburg, it can be easy to think about how, you know, the town kind of, especially at Murray's Heights, right, the town comes almost right up to the park. But when you really step into the sunken road, and especially if you're there with one of our rangers, um, or reading accounts or something like that on your own, even, you know, you really can start to picture it. Um, even though, you know, the town is right there, you can still look down the street and see the little swale where mm-hmm. Union soldiers took shelter as they were, you know, attacking or falling back. Um, you can see, you know, as the, the town kind of, or the, the ground slopes down a little bit into the town itself, you know, I think there's a lot that you can do to really visualize uh, the experience. And especially, you know, with the leaves off the trees, if you go up onto Marie's Heights, you know, on a clear day, you can see all the way to Chatham across the river. So mm-hmm. you can get that perspective of a Confederate artillerist, you know, having this this very clear view of that wide open field and, and everything in between. It's so interesting too to look at pictures because it's it, when you look at pictures at Maurice Heights of it, all the houses that that are there today were not there then, and just to see those to see those open fields. Yeah, that wide open plain, you know, and and yeah. we do strategically place the historic pictures, you know, on our wayside signs yeah. so that you can look out and and just visualize like, oh man, what would it have been like as a Union soldier to kind of cross that open space under fire the entire time. Well, and Prospect Hill is is so interesting because that played a key, a really key part. And it, it, if Prospect Hill, if that turned out a little bit different and it, and it almost did, would would have been, a, we'd be talking about different things. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, what we were talking about earlier with Mine Run kind of being this forgotten battle that a lot of people don't pay attention to or might not have heard of in their history class, um, a lot of times, yeah, a lot of the attention for Fredericksburg is centered on Marie's Heights, the Sunken Road. But yeah, you can have this entire different conversation at Prospect Hill about decision making there, because that really is the story of Prospect Hill. What decision caused that to fail? What decision on the Confederate side of things, you know, stopped uh, the advance there mm-hmm. by the Union Army from continuing? And so really, you can really delve into how the armies functioned there, um, what leadership means there, and kind of how that plays a part in determining a battle. So, yeah, very interesting spot. And, Matt, you talk about that, and you, it's, this battle especially, there are so many points where, where orders came down and they, they were either misunderstood or not carried out, and you really see that there, there are so many subplots to all of this. Oh, yes, certainly. Just with commands, how they're worded plays a part. Yeah. Um, the maps that you have, if you have a map that's different than someone else, which is what happens at Prospect Hill, you're looking at something different and don't even know that you're not on the same page. Um, and I think that's something we can all relate to logistics-wise. We deal with that in our daily life. If you misunderstand someone or they don't communicate in the way that you're used to, um, then it can really change 
your trajectory and, and what decisions you make. Um, and a lot of the blame after the battle is surrounded with Prospect Hill, the decisions made there. So it gets really interesting. Um, you can delve into the aftermath, what uh, the War Department, different people have to say about how the battle plays out really is set at Prospect Hill. So yeah, the, the personalities behind the battle is always something to consider. Well, and you you look too, you and, and you see it on on these on the these these battlefields around here, especially just how topography changes, and and it's 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 you you wouldn't expect it at at Slaughter Pen Farm, but there there are parts of Slaughter Pen Farm where all of a sudden you don't realize it and you've gone down and you're really out of sight and you you. you that plays a key part. Oh yeah, and there's there's trust behind it. You know, you have your your general telling you what to do, yeah. but they're not the one at that part of the field. They're not the one advancing that far out. So now it becomes individual individual decision making there. What do you do based on the orders you've been given when now you're confronted with this situation where you're in a tough spot even just because of the topography. And so the challenge there really is for the soldiers going forward needing to trust the people behind them that they have made a good decision. The other thing, we, we were talking, Beth, a few minutes ago, just about all, all these different places that kind of that uh, you may not may not realize. Pelham's Corner is a great story. You have to know Pelham's Corner is a Tidewater Trail, and you can easily drive by it and have, have no idea that it that it's there there there's there's a there's a, a cannon or two at at, at at a corner but it is really you, you you talk about civilization building up around it it has built up around pelham's corner oh yeah i mean and in, and in some ways it's convenient because there's a parking lot but right like yeah. most of the time you would just drive right on by and think oh I know, somebody put a cannon yeah, there right okay well we are close to civil war battlefield yeah, right. so yeah you know but yeah if you stop there i mean and it's hard to get the same perspective today just based on how the land use has changed but yeah the story of pelham's corner is you know speaking for maddie of of kind of individuals and the power that those uh, kind of individual decisions, whether you decide to take the initiative or whether you follow your orders to a T or, you know, exactly how you decide to, to progress a battle really can make a difference. And, and Pelham's Corner is a great example of that as you have this small battery and at, at some points just one cannon disrupting the entire Union advance um, against Prospect Hill and delaying that attack for, I think it's about an hour, if not more, you know, just, and causing chaos in the ranks because yeah. you're getting fire from the flank where you don't expect it, but also speaking to topography, right? Like he's in kind of a hidden little a little nook or something. I don't know how it's, I guess a little depression, yeah. right? So not easily targeted as the Union Cannon are trying to turn and, and return fire. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a nice example of how, you know, you can see even just small small movements of taking initiative can disrupt really large movements of men and disrupt an entire battle sequence um, and just cause havoc, right? Because it's it's scary. Like if you put yourself in the shoes of an individual Union soldier, it's scary enough to be thinking about advancing across a rolling open plain against a wooded enemy, right? And you know they're in there and you just don't know how things are going to develop. But then as you're forming up, to, to be hit with fire from the flank and now you've got your, you, know, you what do you do now right like that's going to rattle your nerves it's going to test your courage and it's yeah and and to us today it's this hidden little corner uh for some for some little element of the battle of fredericksburg that 
you know, I wouldn't necessarily say defines the battle, but is is a, an important piece right. to Again, the story. There, there are yeah. a lot of those little pieces all around. And, and I guess that, that, that's the challenge for you when you put these programs together. Oh, yeah. Every year to, to, <laughs> to come up with something and, and, and tell another part of the story. Because there, there really are a lot of stories. It's not, it's not just Maurice Heights. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things that we find, too, as we're putting together programs, that so much of it comes from finding the right way to combine those stories because we know we can't tell everything yeah. um, as much as we might secretly want to. Uh, but we know, right, we've got time constraints. Again, we're committed to not being boring. And so the things that are fascinating to us aren't necessarily fascinating to everybody. But if you don't tell a fuller, like if you don't tell that full story, then you're ultimately missing something. So how we're able to kind of choose what stories to tell at different points in time, um, it's it's really the art and where I'm I'm always impressed by my colleagues uh, making those tough decisions and finding the right ways to frame out things so that they make sense and we're still getting that kind of human element and still still you know hitting all the key pieces of of a battle or an event. So Maddie, to put a program together, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of research that goes into you know we'd like tonight the program at the, at, at the library we'll sit down and you'll give you'll give a a a, a program. But there's a lot of there is a lot of research and just a lot of work to be able to do that. Oh yeah, for sure. Weeks and weeks of of planning and coordinating and, and researching and pulling all the the good sources that we want to highlight in those programs. And then you give the program and it might be an hour or so. And we try to you know reuse that material later. <laughs> don't just lose that forever. But yeah, behind the scenes we are digging through these sources, finding, all right, which quote from a soldier really highlights what this experience was like? And you've got tons to choose from. So yeah, the, the planning behind it does take a while to kind of work work out what stories we want to highlight um, with that, that key theme behind it that we want to get across. Are there times when you're doing research that, that one of you comes across something and to you it's, you know, all, you just wonder, has anybody seen this before? Or and, and when you come across those moments of being, hey, we didn't, you know, where'd you find that? Because the, you're, there's there's yeah. so much <laughs> there's so much material out there. Because I know occasionally people will find pictures, like with the National Archives or something like that, that nobody had seen some, you know, picture of of, of a battlefield or of, of Fredericksburg. And there's always great rejoicing. Oh yeah, or something that had been misidentified or unidentified. You know, I. I remember when, you know, when that new photo of Harriet Tubman came out, it's yeah. just like, this just illuminates a whole new side of yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, when we were, I would say for me, especially when we were doing research for the 150th, because we had an excuse to dig into, you know, we were talking about during the break, you know, we, we got ourselves out to so many remote spots on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, we had an excuse to dig into sources that we hadn't really needed to for the kind of day-to-day programs that we often give and yeah there were so many so many sources that you found meaningful or that maybe no one else had seen or had used or had seen but hadn't seen it in the same light because maybe you know something something that you read once in the 90s maybe doesn't hit the same as when you read it once in the 2010s you know and it's so it's just this constantly evolving so much fun i mean that's part of why we love being historians right is because you read something and then it just ends up being so profound and maddie maddie also does a lot of research so i'll let her 
Yeah, and the like crowdsourcing element is really cool too because we're doing our research, but local historians and just the public at large is also doing yeah. their research. And so we learn from people coming in with their family stories, bringing in their diaries, their <laughs> letters, their photos, and that can unveil a whole new perspective we never knew and never had access to. Um, the internet, of course, has also kind of launched just so many more avenues for finding materials in different libraries that physically we'll probably never get to, but at least we can go through their online collections and find new things. So it is a really exciting process. I I geek out. I get very excited when, when I'm researching and find some new thread. Yeah, oh, and yeah. Ba- I, I bet that and you, you think about what what historians back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, even you know, much of the 80s, the, the the access that you didn't have and oh, that, yeah. that you can do now. Or needing to travel to you know faraway repositories yeah. or local county courthouses. I mean, it, it's actually really impressive the things that past historians were able to turn up um, without having to do or without having access to all the things that we do. But I mean, I think it's it's a great reminder. A lot of folks, you think of history as, as a static field, right? Like you study the things that happened, but we're constantly uncovering these new stories or these new these new pieces of stories like Maddie's bringing up. And, and it, it is what keeps things fresh and exciting. And to say like, you know, this is shedding light on something that we didn't know about or we couldn't fully explore or- you It changes know. your view on something. Right. All of a sudden you realize maybe this happened because of this and not that. Right. And the more pieces that we can pull together, the more complete of a story that we have to tell. Yeah. So, so internally, I mean, I guess with some of these things, I'm sure as you as you debate history, there are there are times, you know, that Maddie, you're saying this happened because of this. And Beth is saying, no, it happened because of this. I'm sure that there are there there are disagreements w- w- with all of you. Sure, yeah, and it's kind of it comes down to trusting the sources. If I read something in a different way than Beth does, yeah. we have to find that common thread. And maybe that comes by finding a third source, you know, finding more material to try to kind of flesh out the full picture there. But sure, historians all have their different theories and different ideas of, of yeah. how things played out. Oh, yeah. And I mean, honestly, since we're talking about the Battle of Fredericksburg, one that came up for us as the staff last year while we were looking at the 160th is trying to to better understand the role of the Emancipation Proclamation in the Battle of Fredericksburg, Mm -hmm. right? Because our battle is situated right between the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation and the actual proclamation being signed itself. So trying to figure out um, when some sources are not, you know, no one is we would love it if Abraham Lincoln was like, well, this is exactly what I was thinking right. uh, with regard to the Emancipation Proclamation and the Battle of Fredericksburg. This is why I communicated this to Burnside. Mm-hmm. This is why I signed the proclamation on the day that I did. You know, we don't have that, right? So we're uh, we're doing a lot of interpolation, right? Yeah. How do we connect these different pieces? And, you know, we are, we are digging through the sources. Well, this source says this, which is kind of an indirect way of suggesting this. Well, but I read it like this, you know, and so, you know, we... We do. We have staff conversations. Sometimes we have group staff emails where we're saying, hey, has anyone seen a source about this? And we've been doing a lot of digging into Chatham lately. So we've had a lot of those emails as well. Like, so how, you know, we are relying on the sources that we've all been able to gather or that other people have shared with us. And um, I can't, I actually can't tell you that we came down on a very specific thing for the Emancipation Proclamation. I think we've, you know, we can say like, certainly it influenced the pressure for Burnside to act, but we have no smoking gun that says, 
you know, it is the Emancipation Proclamation that is pushing this battle because we also, you know, we see a defeat from this battle, which doesn't bolster the Emancipation Proclamation. Sure. Um, but the proclamation still gets signed. So, like, that's just, you know, just one Battle of Fredericksburg example of the debates that we have on the regular and are really important. And I think the Park Service is taking a really good direction as of late, um, kind of being okay sometimes saying, well, we don't know. We have these sources. We don't really have the correct answer. There is no one single interpretation of this source or this event. And then putting it on the public to say, well, what do you think? And providing the public with more avenues um, than maybe before to give their opinion, to share their idea about it with some of the different techniques and elements that we use as interpreters to always provide the visitor with a chance to We present the information, we present the evidence, basically, and then at the end of the tour, we'll say, what do you think? What would you do? Or or how would you interpret Mm -hmm. this? And that can be a really cool uh, experience to have with visitors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maddie Hollis-Beth Parnitza here from the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Quick break, and we'll conclude when we come back on News Talk 1230 WFVA. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Download the all-new News Talk 1230 WFVA app for Apple and Android. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. And now, here's your host. Ted Schubel. Great stuff this morning with the Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park. Beth Parnitza and uh, and Maddie Hollis here. Again, uh, Maddie, you're part of the program tonight at the uh, Central Rappahannock Regional Library, 630. Mine run. Yes, 630. Um, We're going to have a great program kind of analyzing some of the decisions made behind the mine run battle. Um, But really what we're going to talk about is how do we talk about the smaller battles? How do we make sure they're remembered Hmm. and how do we contextualize them? And that's a, that's a thing I know, Beth, that you all try to do because there are we we talk about these big battles, the Battle of Fredericksburg, but uh, places like Mine Run or, or you know Pelham's Corner or some of these little things that, that might even only be skirmishes do play a part in in the history we talk about. Oh yeah, and they're important context for you know especially the big battles that we have around here, right? Like just down the road we have mine run we have places like brandy station kelly's ford yeah. like we have a, a solid collection of what we would consider to be these sort of smaller battles but they do play an important role and yeah if you come tonight you know i'm sure that that um our team will be talking about the context of the battle of mine run but also the way that it you know it seriously and significantly influences the battle of the wilderness and the overland campaign in the following year, which is one of the defining campaigns of the Civil War. And so recognizing how all of these pieces, just like any individual, can be really important. Any small battle, when placed in its context, can really tell us a lot about the progression of the war. Go to the uh, Fredericksburg and Spotsylvania National Military Park Facebook page too for information on just the schedule. Or you can go to the you can go to the website for uh, on next next Saturday or the the events for the for, for the Battle of Fredericksburg. And like you said, you've got uh, all through the day. There's programs at Chatham. There are there are some programs out in in the field. You can find out what to, what, what suits you. But you will not be you will walk away with just a, such a better understanding of history. Because you're standing Absolutely. out there, and that's what, and that's what, and, and you guys are able to to put into place where you're standing, and also a lot of the store, a, a lot of the stories from from people through diaries and, and things like that. Yeah, we're always one of the things that is great about working for the Park Service is we're working with an authentic place. Like we're at the real place. We are drawing on on sources of actual letters, diaries, reports, 
you know, we're we're doing our best to read to you the stories from the people who experienced them in the places that they experienced them. And between Fredericksburg and Chancellorsville and Wilderness, I don't know if there's any place that has so much history concentrated in such a small area. I mean, we're I, lucky. I think we're the best, but I might be a little biased. I think no, we, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie, it's great to meet you, and yeah, I look forward for to having, having you back and, and, and talking uh, about uh, other things that, that you're working on. Beth Parnitz, it's always good to have you here. Thank you both for what you do. And uh, again, tonight, 630 at the library. Next Saturday, the Battle of Fredericksburg. Thanks. Thanks. That is it. Thank you for listening. We will see you on Monday. Thanks for listening to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. The views expressed by the hosting guests on this program are their own and not necessarily those of this station, its management, or Centennial Broadcasting. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. The Glenn Beck Program is next on News Talk 1230 WFVA, focused on Fredericksburg.